0: Palmer, welcome back to the Team Ghana You podcast. By size where you receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant, football and Ghana related. As always, I want you the listeners to be at involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Welcome back, my fellow Ghanaians, and welcome back or welcome to the podcast to my adopted Ghanaians and those who love listening to something a little bit different in regards to the Team Garney podcast. And what I would say is football news which isn't quite circular, if that makes any sense. Um, today, excuse me, um, I was unsure what I wanted to do the podcast on actually, but I came across something on Thursday, I think it was, um, a discussion between Simon Jordan and Martin O'Neill, and I think I wrote down the following notes which was, who is more important, the manager or the sporting director? And I think what Martin O'Neill was discussing was his relationship with Randy Lerner, if I'm correct. And I think he was kind of like pulling back a few layers in regards to what he did at the time, which was being a strong manager and a strong person. And I think he was reflecting in hindsight in regards to some of his actions and wishing he had seen the bigger picture in regards to what... um, (coughs) regards to, sorry what Randy Lerner wanted to do in thinking it was maybe perhaps maybe a bit too soon to spend maybe a bit more money or to, <clears throat> apologies, make certain decisions in regards to the the betterment of the club. And the reason why I think I say that or the reason why I think he says that is because I think sometimes is, as the manager, I think you want to go in and you want to go gung-ho and obviously you want to make an impression, um, you want to spend a lot of money, whereas that might not necessarily be in the betterment or a good decision for the club at the time. And I think this discussion was born out of something Tim Sherwood may have said on a following podcast or on another podcast where he was talking about, ah, talking about Aston Villa. And I I guess there's a reason why Martin O'Neill, you know, kind of like was important to this conversation because I think what he was saying was, I think he came in after Martin O'Neill. Maybe not directly after Martin O'Neill, but at some point after. And I think what he was saying was a sporting director came in at some given point and that sporting director didn't have... <clears throat> much knowledge. Um, or I think what he called him, he called him a, he called him a paper something. Um, but essentially someone who has all the qualifications but not enough experience. And I think he was pointing to the fact that he didn't think the sporting director, who actually <clears throat> apologies, um resigned or left Aston Villa following them getting relegated. So ultimately he did he wasn't that successful. But I think he was pointing to the fact that um it was pointed to the fact that he didn't do very well or he felt that he had more knowledge in him and that he didn't need him. Or, you know, I think the argument or the conversation was built around the, the relationship between the manager and the sporting director and how it should work hand in hand. I guess the the backdrop of this conversation was <clears throat> Nagelsmann, who is... Who has, sorry, rejected... I, I don't want to say rejected, all right? Um, who is not currently continuing with his conversations with Tottenham Hotspur because... They currently obviously are without a sporting director. And I think the I guess the the conversation maybe on Talk Sport was I think he would like to see who the sporting director is before actually taking up this role. Because ultimately the relationship between the sporting director and the manager is really, really important in regards to do they see eye to eye. Ultimately, if um <coughs> Daniel Levy <coughs> sorry Jesus Christ if Daniel Levy, if he hires a Nagelsmann, you know, then that's his almost face—not his face, but that's his—that's his go-to. You know, that's the person who he had initial contact with. Whereas, if Nagosman maybe comes under this new sporting director, then I don't know. It just brings about a different dynamic, and I think it's important. I think the relationship between the sporting director and the manager is really, really important in regards to the development and the betterment of the club, and ultimately the success of the club going forward um, on the pitch, certainly in the short term and in the long term. But it begged the question for me, which was, no, again, who is more important, the manager or the sporting director? And I think I wanted to use a few angles. So this is obviously the Team Ghana U podcast, and I'm happy to talk about other clubs in other countries and things of that are nation I think I will do. Um, but obviously, I want to focus on Ghana in some respect. Um, but I also want to generalise it too, because I think it's important that we all have better insight maybe going forward so I was wondering whether I was actually going to do that as an article or whether I was going to do it as a podcast so I think I will do it as an article and then I will think I'll discuss it on the podcast maybe the following week after it comes out but away from that I was listening to something which I found really really interesting and I think in recent time um or certainly on the podcast before I've discussed I think it's important I provide balance so in recent time on the podcast I've discussed the importance of the inclusion of the diaspora in the Ghanaian fold, whether that's um, at the youth setup, or is that the, um, the full international squad. And I think obviously I've got better insight in regards to obviously why they don't quite feature in the youth fold, which is down to opportunities and um, yet ultimately down for opportun- ultimately down to opportunities for, for those in Ghana. I think we can understand that from, let's say, I just think we can understand that. You know, I spoke about this in, in previous podcasts, you know, um, by providing, so with these international tournaments, whether it's the current AFCONs, which is coming up um, in relation to the Olympics, um, these players actually having the spotlight to play, whether it's in the AFCONs, whether it's in the Olympics, is going to provide a shop window for them to ultimately get a move to, I was going to say Europe, but let's move the Europe thing aside, is going to ultimately provide them with an opportunity for a big money move. And I think that's important. I think that's an important factor. I think we can play down that factor or that factor may have been played down before by myself, but I think it's important that we have a a wider view or holistic view in regards to the importance of um, exposure. Um, but as to the full team, you know, I think there's a bit of give and take, and I think that's a relationship which is developing, and I think there's maybe a better understanding in regards to how it works. And I think maybe in previous conversations, I've kind of, like, said, like, why is there all this... I don't want to use the ten- I don't want use the word tension. But why is there such a difficulty as to <clears throat> the diaspora being a- being included in-, in the setup? But I want to. I don't want to harp on that. I kind of want to just make make a point if that makes any sense. I was listening to and I'll I'll highlight the name because I think it was an interesting listen. I was listening to some Arsenal content by Stricto Strict, um, and I think that's his YouTube channel. Um, but I think he goes by Stricto on on AFT. AFTV, yeah on AFTV, sorry I'll actually name the video because I think it's I think it'd be cool to do that Um Please tell me it's still here Oh no, I think I've deleted it, no it's not, it's here Stricto Strict, the title of the video is Switching Allegiance And then it's got International Glory Hunting I didn't, I didn't quite read that before, that's quite funny Alright, so I think go there And listen to it, I think it's a, a bit of an interesting read Um I think he's a little bit funny He's got a bit of humour to him, so I think it You might enjoy it, you might enjoy his content in general but I want to highlight a couple of things he mentioned. So, like, he was talking about, <clears throat> on the subject of glory hunting, that a lot of the diaspora, I think, once they... Once they let's use England as an example. So once they don't believe they're going to fulfil their, their ambition of representing England, um, they then use the country of their heritage, and let's use Ghana as an example, as their plan B. And that should never, ever happen. Like, Ghana should not be a plan B for anyone. I think context is important. I think ultimately some nations need the play and there needs to be kind of like a give and take. But at the same time, I think what he was preaching or, or what he was trying to explain is there needs to be some level of respect. Um, And I totally understand that. And he gave a few examples. And to be fair, his nuance is not necessarily new. I guess what I took from it, or what I, what I wanted to do, I, I did a bit, a bit of digging, mind you. He did he did the majority of the digging, but I did. I thought, let me do a bit more research. So he mentioned Eddie and Eddie and Ketia. No beef with Eddie and Ketia, um to eat lamb tea or even Boating for that matter. But I'll add context of what he mentioned. He mentioned he didn't believe Eddie and Ketia will be um, a full England international. I think due to the fact that he's got several other forwards ahead of him, despite the fact that he's got the under twenty um, one. Record for scoring goals. Um, he mentioned Lamptey, and I'm not too sure. I'm not. Gonna, I'm, I'm not running away from this one. I'm not too sure the context he mentioned Lamptey, but I think the point he was making is was once people or those players do not believe they're going to get a full cap or going to represent England in the manner they would like, they go on to play for their their current sh- the country of their heritage, which is Ghana. I want to move no I don't want to move Lantti to a side. I guess the point he was making sorry and I keep babbling and babbling was a lot of these players are not doing the hard graft as in they're not they're not playing in any the Afcons they're not playing in none of these qualifiers and it's wrong. And again I'm not digging at Lantti because I don't think it was the Lantti thing. But you mentioned Boateng, Prince Boateng. And I think Boateng had it surprised me and I want to quickly my Wikipedia is open, so I must have uh, still there. Okay, so Boa has, in total, according to Wikipedia, fifteen caps for Ghana, and he and he played for Ghana from 2010 to 2014. Again, according to Wikipedia, and I think there was a chance that he wanted to represent Ghana. I think in the World Cup gone. I could be wrong anyway, but it was something of that nature too, and I think he'll... Anyway, I'm not too sure how much... Anyway, forget that, let me just move on. But I was very surprised that he played only 15 games, because, to my knowledge, on the surface, Boateng was a key member of the squad. And I think he was, obviously, at the World Cup. Boateng played in two World Cups, from, from what I understand, for Ghana, but I think only played in one qualifier. And... I don't know why, it didn't quite sit well with me. And I like Boateng, you know, I've discussed him before, I think his importance to, um, in fact he'd be be etched in Ghanaian history in regards to playing in in two different World Cups and scoring important goals, you know, and being the brother of, um, oh my God, I forgot his name, the other Boateng, the one who plays with Germany, you know what I'm talking about anyway. So he'd be etched in history. But it didn't quite sit well with me, actually, the, the stats, you know, and how it reads. And do you know what? Like, he may tell the story differently, you know, and ultimately stats are stats, you know, and stats don't provide, again, context. But what it did say was his first game, I think it was, was maybe in a qualifier or, some, or something like that in the second leg. And then he went to play in the World Cup. And then a very similar thing happened um, for the following World Cup, you know. And then ultimately, I think, If I can find this, Ghana, 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 Ghana. I can't find it, unfortunately. But Borateng says, um, Borateng was sent home along with midfielder Suleyman This is not new news. On June 29, Borateng had hit back at the Ghanaian Football Association, describing the Black Stars organization during the tournament as amateurish. Now, obviously, the GFA have had their issues in the past, but I think when you look at it like that, it looks a bit mad. As in the fact that he's only, played, he's only had 15 caps, and I guess when and where he's had those caps. But again, everything is contextual. But I guess what I wanted to do today was provide another side of the argument as to the diaspora. And our part, the part we play, sorry, in representing Ghana. And I think that was really, really important to, to articulate. And I think that's me for this week. Hopefully next week, what's the date today? Today's the, the 14th. Yeah, we're going to rock and roll, mate. Next week, we're going to rock and roll with the article, who is more important, the manager or the sporting director? Take care, guys, and, well, see you in a couple of weeks. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories that unfold in the coming weeks. As always, if you're going to need or queries, email us at teamgarnayu at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at you on IG or Twitter. Thank you. Take care. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.